Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plenty for Everyone. So glad to be here with you. I'm Jennifer Mulholland, and as always, joined by my partner, Jeff Shuck. Hello, everyone. Coming to you live from Park City, Utah and Michigan City, Indiana after summer break and trying to maybe do the tan contest, Jeff, but I think I, <laughs> I was going to say probably one. <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube or on our website, yeah, you can see we're, we're wearing summer. Well, I think you won for sure. You had an extra week off in there while Sierra and I were working hard, slaving away, running plenty. Gosh, yes. I think you, so I see you have one more week of sun on me, but man, do we love summer around here and around there. Yeah, it's definitely one of, I think, the best self-care, plenty care things we've done is shut down the office for the week of July 4th. And then it's been such a treat for me to tack on a week of time off at my 110-year-old cabin in Rangeley, Maine. And that has felt so good for me. And then you all, you and Sierra, have been taking time elsewhere. And you've partied it up at home, too. Yeah, it's been so nice out here uh, near the shore of Lake Michigan. I'll put an infomercial in early. We usually wait till the end of the podcast. but. The visit to Maine this year produced a really wonderful blog post that's going to be going live in the next week that will be probably live after people are listening to this, a meditation or two that will be live once people are listening to that. So we're looking for some great content and a little more detail on how summer break went. Please visit our website at plentyconsulting.com. And one other thing we did. Oh, yeah. Ta-da. We submitted our book, our first book on conscious leadership to our editors for the final copy edit. So I'm so proud of ourselves and can't believe that we brought that to ground. It literally took an entire year. We started it the summer solstice of 2022. And I had such a privilege of being in the same space at which we were first doing all the yellow sticky notes of what we wanted to include in the book to a year later, really sitting with our chapters and exercises and making the finishing touches and the the last edits of it. So that feels like such an incredible accomplishment that we did. It's been amazing. And we, we haven't yet, I think we submitted it now a week, almost a week ago. We really haven't taken time as a team to be like, wow, That was incredible. But, you know, it's totally practicing what we teach because in Meridian, our strategy work, or in Lantern, our leadership work, we talk about, you know, the need to have this possibility, this this idea of what's beyond vision, what is on offer for you, and the need to be present right here, right now, and just take one step at a time. 
And I think looking back in the past year, it does feel like one of those projects that if we had known in June 2022, <laughs> all the steps that it would require, oh my gosh, it would have been so intimidating. But when you just take one step in front of the other, all of a sudden you start putting them together and you look back and you say, I can't believe how far we've come. And our publishers, a group called Modern Wisdom, did an incredible job of ushering us through the process. But when Jen says that we turned in a book, if you've been listening to the podcast, this is the, I think the sixth full draft that we've done. And there's been a gazillion interim drafts. So, you know, this has been a real, I don't want to say labor of love because it's never completely felt like work. It's been a real vision of ours, a shared vision of ours. And it feels incredible that we get to share that looks like January 2024 will be the published date and we'll be spending time this summer getting the promotional plan ready and then starting to promote it this fall. We've joked we can write a book about writing the book and I think we may do that or we certainly will talk about it on a forthcoming podcast, but not today. I think that's a beautiful segue in how we really cared for ourselves because it has been an independent an individual and a collective shared intention, goal, want, desire for many decades for both of us to be authors. We already have been authors in in the joy of writing and blogging and doing what we do, speaking. But to do that in print together and to be able to say, no, actually, we have a book now. And that feels so incredible to honor that accomplishment and what we learned about each other, what we learned about ourselves and what we learned through the editing process of how we write to serve and how we write to, to help our ideal reader and who that person is and what do they need. And there's so many juicy learnings that I'd love to explore and we can share at a later time, but in the spirit of what we wanted to talk about today, we wanted to talk about how caring for ourselves can be our toughest priority. And what does that look like when we put ourselves first? And how do we do that in life? And as we go about our days and go about our careers and our parenting and our relationships, how do we go about looking at putting ourselves first in a way that isn't selfish or arrogant or righteous, but that it's really a way in which we can give to others in the best way. And the book really, I think, surprisingly, I had no idea how much I was craving and wanting that to come to fruition. And one of the things I was made aware of when I was back in Maine, looking at the legacy of the history, like on the walls of our cabin are my great, great grandfather who built it and his wife and offsprings. And there's these, the lineage. And then I'm always acquainted to, oh, well, my great grandmother was a poet. And then my grandmother was a poet. And just that it wasn't an isolated desire. It has come forth and come through ever since I was a little girl. I've loved to write, wanted to write, have written, journaled as you have. And it just feels like an avenue of expression. I didn't realize that I was craving to not envy others doing it, but to do it myself. And 
I feel like that was actually great care for Jennifer, great care for my me and my soul to produce and to, to create. Yeah. I like where you were going and I don't know that I knew where you were going, that you were going there. So like that self-care is about listening to what you need and you needed to bring something to ground is what I'm, I'm hearing you say. And I, and I think that, I mean, there's a few things there that I like the idea that we've been writing for a long time, I think is different to me than we're published authors. And there is like a year or two ago when this was on the drawing board or four or five years ago, or whenever we first seriously started to talk about how do we put this out? You do have to overcome that initial feeling of, well, is this just a selfish goal? We write now. People can access our writing on the website for free. What are we trying to do here? And I think once we started to talk through it, we feel like, no, we have something to share that's really going to help people and it will help our business and it'll be gratifying to us. But the intention here is to help people grow. And this is way more accessible for people than say flying to park city for four days, even though that's fantastic too, and you should take it up. So I feel like even in creating the book, we had to go through that navigation that you're talking about, about, wait, is this selfish to follow my own desire or no, there's this other thing that can be servant leadership as well. And I just think it speaks to at least what I'm hearing you start to point to is how tricky it can be sometimes, especially now with how much pressure I think most of the people we work with put on ourselves that you can play these tricks on. Am I taking care of myself? Am I being selfish? Am I being self-centered? Is this the right way forward? There's a big soup here that doesn't necessarily get untangled easily, I think, for a lot of our clients. Yeah. And I think what we share at Lantern, our leadership retreat, and what we claim to practice or intend to practice is we really can't give to others what we don't have inside ourselves. And so the more we fill up and put ourselves first comfortably, where we can really get more curious about what lights us up, where we lean in, what brings us joy, what really is going to make me happy, where we can attune and listen to the desires that sometimes are really quiet, but in this case, they're consistent. Like writing has been a consistent desire of a creative force that has come from, it's like a, it's a calling. It's a inner directed desire, if you will. And whatever your desire is, the desires are there to help you bring them forth. And I think that is a self-care approach or putting myself first means that I'm going to commit to bringing my desires to life. I'm going to commit to listening and honoring to the desires that I have and trust that they're there meant to maximize not only my potential, but the potential of impact, the potential of service I have to humanity and to others, that if I can really bring forth those skills and those talents and desires, what a better world would it be if I'm fully used to the capability and to the intention of why I'm here to be fully maximized, to be fully used. 
And I think when we think about putting ourselves first, we think of like taking a hot bath and going on vacation. And yes, those are all true. And I'm really curious, Jeff, to hear you share, like, how do you care for yourself first? Like, how does this work for you? Or has it worked? How has it worked for you this summer or over the summer break? Thinking about it's also in fulfilling desires, seeing a dream, working at a dream, at a goal, bringing that into form is a way that we care for ourselves. And then as a result of doing it, we get to talk from a place of knowing, not pontificating, not making up or thinking how we might feel. But because we can share from the place, yeah, we've done that. We've walked in those shoes. We have that experience. Now we can help others do the same. I think that's a really interesting way of caring for ourselves, putting ourselves first in the spirit of desire. Yeah, I like where you're going. And, you know, so maybe we should share with people since you brought up Lantern that one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this today is because we had the good fortune earlier in the day to reunite with our latest Lantern class, our June 2023 graduates, and just get back together and check in with everyone. And this was a key theme that we, I think, both heard in the conversation is people starting to realize, oh, I've got to take care of myself. And as you're talking, I think what I'm realizing (laughs) is how trite it's become. Like the saying of like, you can't help anyone unless you help yourself. You know, you can't take care of anyone else unless you take care of yourself first. I almost think it's become another one of those mindfulness shorthands. And sometimes on the podcast, Jen, I've grumbled about mindfulness has just become an app for people. And now it's just one more damn thing to do. On, you know, right. Okay. Today I got to meditate on calm and then I need to like check my breathing. And it's like, it's become the exact opposite of what it's supposed to be. And as we say, like, I'm sure everyone listening has heard the phrase, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else. And it's just become another thing that we kind of gloss over. And it's annoying when you hear it. You don't want to, right. hear, I don't want to I've right. never wanted to hear that. It just sounds like bullshit. It's like, well, right. great. Right. how am I going to care for myself? What do you mean? Well, and we haven't helped it with the metaphors like, and I don't want to disparage. I don't know. I think this is Brene Brown and we love Brene Brown. So I don't mean to disparage her, but there's that metaphor that people use when they're talking about it about, okay. And like, remember, take care of yourself first. Like when you're sitting on a plane and they give you the safety instructions and they say, put on the oxygen mask to yourself first before you put it on your child. Can we pick a more constructive metaphor? That's a terrible metaphor. Like, first of all, your personal plane is not crashing. Second of (laughs) all, you don't need oxygen. Like, What an awful metaphor to use about self-care. Talk about making me feel even worse. Shit, is this thing going to hit the ground? Is the pilot going to pull up on me? So I think that's what I mean of like, it gets all muddled. We've heard the messages and I think intellectually we know it, but like a lot of the things we talk about, Jen, it's one thing to know it and it's another thing to feel it in your heart. And so that's back to Maine, you know, this year when we were planning our summer schedule, I think in, you know, March or April, we talked and you said, Hey, I think this year I have a chance to do three weeks. Can we make that work? And I think it's fair to say Sierra and I were both like, absolutely. Like we didn't even think about it because the more time that you spend there, the more you're able to slow down. And when you slow down, you see more. And when you see more, you have more ideas and more energy. And so 
I think, I guess what I'm trying to say in this long about torture detour here is sometimes the self-care requires, it's not like a cliff note, right? It's not like something that you fit in, like you said, the bubble bath that I'm going to do at 7, 7.15 before the sitter shows up. And we're talking about something that's a little deeper and more fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I took, so I ended up taking two weeks off of work and then working the third week remotely. And we had a really gentle integration last week to do so. What I found that was really a practice because it it's interesting. I definitely had uncomfortable moments of really being aware of not wanting to busy myself and noticing even in a calm, quiet environment, checking in on how busy my mind was because I could really see the difference when I was around people that it was, it's such a peaceful environment, but they're busy in their own environment. So it really doesn't matter where they are. And I had the first week with just myself, no dog, no kids, no husband, no parents, no brothers. I really had an opportunity to be with me and to be with myself and my soul and practicing not doing, practicing what feels good to me right now and doing that. And that felt like really instructive around really noticing what was feeling good. Where did things arise when I felt like I should be doing something, right? Versus just feeling into, well, what do, what do I want to do right now? And if I didn't have a desire or an interest in doing something, I just sat and watched the clouds and really practice trying to be as observant as possible of my environment and of my body and of my connection with both. And I think what started to happen as I created more space, I noticed more. My perception and awareness I could feel began to rapidly expand. And things that I had no idea would surface, surfaced around legacy pass downs and ways that the camp has been the centerpiece of a lot of discord and dialogue and dreams and frustration about what's needed to keep it going, what's needed to get fixed, what's needed to be improved. And I don't know if I would have was able to see as much as I did if I wasn't as spacious as I was and how intentional I was about, I want to see things from a different perspective this year. And I did. And that felt really good to myself as an act of self-care of, I value consciousness. I value awareness and the, as expanded as that can become and as expanded as I can be in that space, the more I get to see and the more I get to let in and the more light I get to hold. And that felt like the greatest gift I could give myself was not only taking vacation, but how I chose to experience a vacation with myself, within nature, with others and loved ones. And that felt like a real interesting, different gift. Yeah. It sounds like a retreat as you describe it, like not a vacation where you're 
doing things and partying and seeing things or you're seeing things but in a different way and just as a brief aside we talk about this all the time but slowing down is one of the major performance hacks for organizations in the modern world that's missed all the time and you can experience it for yourself if you've ever watched like netflix or hulu and something flashes on the screen and someone next to you in the living room says what was that and you rewind it and you play it again you still can't see it well then you put it on half speed and everybody can see what just flew across the screen it was a ghost it was a monster it was a book it was whatever right? You slow down, you see more. And when you do the same thing with your mind and your soul, slowing yourself down, slowing the thoughts down, it's amazing how much more perceptive you can be. And just want to point out that most of the clients we work with come to us looking for the opposite, right? They think that they need to be twice as active. Well, you can be twice as productive by slowing yourself down in half. So there's a whole nother thing there, but I love what you're talking about, about self-care for you is being able to, and let me make sure I heard you, like self-care for you is having time to be blank almost, right? To be devoid of anything. Yeah, to fill up, to be the channel I think I'm here to be. And if I'm really here to be a conduit of light, a channel of light and consciousness, I need to have an open container for that light to come in. And it wasn't as much as a blank space, I would say, or it felt to me more really being in an intentional mode of receiving. And instead of giving to all the relationships and the subjects and that I do, how would I fill up? What feels like filling to my body, mind, and soul. And getting curious about that felt like that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, it was part of slowing down that we talk a lot about and seeing the value and then making the choices about how I would actually do that. And what I noticed is I didn't have a strategy. I was way more allowing it to reveal itself without a plan. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think that was the thread, one of the threads that came out on the on the call today with our lantern grads is this idea of for you to get there, you have to be willing to say, well, I'm worth that time. I'm worth taking that time. And what I get from that open time to receive is going to be vastly better for myself in the world than whatever checklist of chores that I could do, sweep the cabin, repair the tile, make the dock shiny, like, right, all of those chores, which is what I downshift into if I'm not careful is like, oh, I need to do things to be productive. And I think we heard that today from some of our Lantern graduates, this idea that, oh, I'm starting to realize that my value isn't just measured in what I give all these other people. Like I have value too, And I need to give to myself one simple example that is business self-care. We had someone say, well, it's performance review season and I need to fill out my performance review because I need to hand it in and my boss and I are going to sit down. And she said, I decided I wanted to put my purpose statement on it. And it's not something that my boss asked for. 
but it's something that I wanted to say. And it was such a great example of self-care, right? That part of caring for yourself in that setting is to make sure that the conversation, the performance conversation is actually beneficial to you too, as the employee, because you don't exist just to serve your boss's whim. It's a relationship and you get to broker something from it and or benefit from it. And I thought it was such a nice example of that kind of self-care is dependent on someone being willing to see that they have something to offer, right? That they have worth in and of itself. So you, you saying, well, I just am going to do nothing and see what I notice. Somewhere in there, you made, you invested in yourself. You said, well, I'm worth this. It's going to benefit me if it's worth it. My time is worth it if it benefits me. It doesn't have to benefit anyone else. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the irony is, it was the most productive time I could imagine. We submitted our book. I did a lot of writing, recorded meditations without trying to be productive. And it just, I think when we can open our container and open our lives to have more space for ourselves, we have no idea what's wanting to come in. And the insights that came in, my dreams that were on vivid detail, you know, the realizations I haven't had for 50 years that I suddenly saw to be true for me became so obviously apparent. It's more of the, a feeling and would say, you know, on the Lantern grad call today, and we had another participant share the freedom she is feeling as a result of going through Lantern, the freedom to be herself more. That feeling is productive beyond measure. And it has me thinking today about how we quantify, how we measure, how we kind of want to, or to your point, associate productivity with doing things, working harder, figuring things out, strategizing, getting things done, churning on things. And what if actually productivity really meant being more fully ourselves in every moment? And do we know who that person is? Do we know the quality of our presence? Do we know and agree with the quality of thinking that's coming through? Does that feel true to us? Do we know thyself in a way that we would choose to continue putting that self out in the world? And to me, that's what makes a very productive society is if we can maximize our skills, our talents, our expression, our whole self, wherever we are, and not half-ass it and not check out and not get the government paycheck because we're making more than we would have to if we went, if we had to work anyway, which is seems to be a crux of our labor issues right now. Whatever it is, like what if we could really bring forth our visions, our values, our expressions, the leanings of our desires? How would that contribute to a more productive? high-performing society and high-performing culture. And that starts with, that's totally in our power to put first, to be curious about, well, that could be incredible self-care. 
if I felt purposeful, if I felt like I was being used, if I was creating value where in my relationships at home, at work, I bet I would feel a lot better about my health and my happiness and my way. And that to me is like an ultimate gesture of care. Yeah. And maybe to help people who are listening, who are feeling like, okay, so you're telling me the secret to self-care is three empty weeks. Like I can't get three empty hours with my kids and my job and everything else. Let's give people a few, few steps that they can take. And, and I think it gets to what you were asking about how I spent some of my time. Cause my vacation was quite different. We had house guests for like 10 days straight coming in and out. And I find in that environment, there was not space really to have quiet reflection. And that's something I chose. So what I was going to come to is two of our favorite words, awareness and intention. And really everything starts with awareness all the time. And if you're feeling like I can't even put three minutes together, let alone three hours or three weeks, you can start self-care by just being more aware or allowing yourself to be aware of how you feel, right? Waking up and oh, I feel stressed about work today. You don't have to do anything about it. It doesn't have to be labeled. You just note it and write it down. Oh, I feel relaxed. Why? Right? Oh, I feel edgy. Oh, I feel like I want to drink after work. Oh, I feel like I need to talk to someone. Oh, I feel like I'm bored. Like that awareness can be such a gateway into figuring out what you need. And I think a lot of the people we work with can't get to self-care because they don't even really necessarily know what what they want or what they need, right? Because they're going so much. And I find when I can be more aware, like in a busy time around July 4th, then I can be more intentional. And that's what I tried to practice over the last couple of weeks is anytime I heard myself saying I should, I just tried to disregard it. Or like, do you want to go down the street and go to the neighbor's barbecue and watch? No, I don't. Right. I, I actually don't. It's, I can see it sounds great, but I want to just be here and trying to practice being aware of what my intentions are. And if my intention was to please somebody else or to do it because I think I had to or was obligated to, I tried to practice not doing it. So when I did show up somewhere, it was because I wanted to be there. And that probably sounds like self-care 101, but with the kind of vacation I, I had, I think it was big progress for me based on some other holidays of just being able to say, okay, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it because it's fulfilling to me and because I want to be there and because I want to serve and extend my presence. And I'm not going to do it because I think I have to or think someone expects it of me. And it's really interesting practice when you get in that habit of just saying, wait, what's my intention here? Is it pleasing someone else or is this how I'll fill my own cup? Yeah, I think it's a really, it's been a very powerful practice as we've gotten older. I don't know. I think following joy has always been a natural appetite, but I love, do I really want to do what I'm being asked to do? Or do I want to be where I want to, where I'm being asked to be? And oftentimes we get the signal of our bodies telling us the answer is no, but our head justifies all the reasonings why we should be there. And why we need to be there. And it's a tricky dance between the intuition and the intellect. And 
how part of self-care for me is really attuning to the intuitive side and listening to, even if I don't understand it, that I don't actually need to know why I'm feeling a certain way. For me, that's my trap. That's the little dangle of, you want to come down this rabbit hole? Let's look at all the reasons why you're feeling this way versus really sitting into the feeling, trusting it's going to pass and I don't have to do anything to strategize or to understand or to know why it's happening. That for me right now is an act of self-care that I am intentionally trying to drop. The need to reason, the need to label, the need to understand, the need to know the why. For me, those are the secret seductive traps that are keeping me limited. That feels like an interesting place. And practicing that when you're at a party or hosting a party or with a lot of people or by yourself is a really interesting thing to notice. How quickly does your mind click to needing to know, needing to judge, needing to reason, needing to understand, needing to label. And that's literally the mind's job. It just naturally does that for us. And there's another space to occupy that you actually, what if you didn't need to know? Right. I love that. And I would add for me, needing to categorize, like this was good. This was bad. This is helpful. This is counterproductive. Like none of that actually ends up taking me to peace. None of that brings me more present. All of that thought takes me away from what's actually happening and where the fresh perspective is. And it's difficult. I've mentioned a few times, speaking of attention and perception and not labeling, my youngest son has gotten really into golf and just broke like, well, almost broke 90 yesterday. And he's 14 and he's played for like three months. So because he's golfing a lot, it's gotten me into golfing. And I can tell you exactly what's happened. When the intention is to go out and support him and spend time with him, I play great. When the intention, as soon as I start to be like, I want to get better, like there's there's a label. And I want to know why this shot happened or what that shot happened. I play terribly. And I think like to tell you how terribly I shot a 126 yesterday, which is like double what you should be shooting. I mean, it was, I lost three balls in a row on one hole, right? Because why? Well, what did, what happened there? That ball went out of bounds. Why did I do that? I'm going to try it again. That was bad, right? And being in, totally being in that chasing, labeling. And what's even more funny is I was just telling you, I think a week ago, that, oh, golf is really like reminding me of how mindful I've become. Well, what a crock of shit that was. <laughs> no, no, say that. You're fucked. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I screwed myself. So whether it's that practice, right? Like that idea, or or just even you sitting on the dock and noticing, oh, I was in a blank state of mind and now I'm thinking again. Like all of those things are ways of self-care and they're always available to all of us. Again, like whether you have 10 minutes in the day or 10 days off, there's time to say, how can I just be with myself and observe what I'm thinking and decide not to label it? So this has become the summer self-care ramble cast, I think, but. Well, I think it points to two. We're not saying that the 
more triter things don't matter. I want to be clear because I feel like sometimes those are the key to unlocking the state of mind of openness is we all have preferences and certain things to me feel great to me that don't feel great to you and to other people, right? And But really kind of experimenting with what feels good to me now. Like I really notice my little and adult nature girl loves to be in the woods, loves to be on the water, loves to listen to birdsong, could sit for hours just watching and listening without changing the subject and how good I feel when I am in connection with nature. I don't have to be 35, 4,000 miles away to do that. I have it all around me and I it, nature is wherever I choose to be. I love sitting in the sun and getting brown tan skin. I love watching the rain and really appreciating the moisture that we do not get in Utah. Like it was such a different rain and to stand out and actually have the rain feel so gentle and cleansing and nourishing at times. And then at times a huge storm would come in with this viral force that would rip down trees and create the destruction. And then it would be beautiful and sunny. And I just noticed like the changing of the weather, even being in relationship to that and which weather I prefer, where, when, the foods, the flavors, and how those change over time. Lobster, as an example, like would be a delicacy for me. I've loved it since I was a little girl, Maine lobster, nothing compares to it. You know, the last couple of years I've had a Maine lobster on the porch and it was like, eh, it's just changing. And so the preferences of what feels good to us now may be different than they were yesterday or a year ago or 10 years ago. And getting curious in the freshness of this moment of what does it really mean to care for myself first? Where are all of these like channels or expressions or preferences or feelings that I could pay more attention to how it makes me feel good instead of focusing on all the places where I feel contracted and frustrated and overwhelmed. And I think that's a self-care choice of where am I feeding? Am I feeding all the things that are not working or am I feeding the feeling of feeling good? And once we get, I think, attuned to that, we've talked a gazillion times about we amplify it. Wherever we put our attention, we grow. Wherever we feed, we form. And so when we're thinking about caring for ourselves first, doing that in a way that's gentle and loving and positive rather than critical labeling, judging, I think there's a choice in that, in how we even approach caring for ourselves. Yeah. And I love, I love that you said, we're not saying the small things don't matter. Like if a bubble bath works for you, go for it. You know, if that's where it's easier for you to find calm, then do it. I think we're trying to say, ultimately, none of us need a bubble bath to find calm, but it's sometimes hard to get to that point. So if the bath helps you go for it. And the other thing to anyone, if you're still listening and you're still saying like, this sounds great, but I don't know how to get there, which I feel like is common in the people we work with at Lantern. I would just add a second question to what Jen's question was. So Jen just said like, what does self-care mean to me? The second question is, 
And if I can't get to it, what's getting in the way of it? And allowing yourself a bit of time to have some honest inquiry of that. Like, well, self-care means to me an hour to myself. What's getting into way to that? I have to cook dinner for the kids. I have to pick them up from school. I have to then do work. Like, okay, so you're making an inventory of the things you would need to suspend for a little bit to give yourself time. And if you have that inquiry, it becomes interesting. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's interesting to be like, well, are you really a worse mother because dinner's an hour late? Are you a worse employee because your email to your boss at the end of the day comes at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. in the morning instead of at 6 p.m.? And allowing yourself just to see without judgment the excuses we use to tell ourselves that the things that we need for self-care are selfish. It's very interesting. And I think that's what's great about Lantern and taking four days with people to really give them open space that most of them don't get to say like, okay, we know that you probably can't get four days of this space every week in your year, but what's stopping you from getting 40 minutes of it? And I think what we often find is we all tell ourselves these things that we should be doing instead, right? And so allowing yourself some time to examine what do I need to give myself some care and what do, why am I not giving it to me, I guess is what I'm saying, can be really, can be really eye-opening. Yeah. And to go back to, it just helps to have more awareness to the choices that we're making. And sometimes it feels like the choices that are being made for us without even knowing that we have a participation in the choice. Because I think sometimes our choices seem so habitual or the excuses or the reasoning why we can't take an hour on our calendar or why we can't schedule meetings with ourselves or why we can't heal our back because we're not disciplined about doing exercises that will actually help heal your back, like, or whatever it is. We all have the story at some point or in some way. And I think what creating space, caring for yourself, inviting yourself to see more of what you're meant to see at that time can change everything. And we believe strongly that you're not able to see something until you're ready to see it. And yet caring for ourselves first, when we put ourselves as a priority rather than at the bottom of the list, it's a active choice that has an absolute ripple to our relationships and to our life and to the quality of it. And would just love to see more people play with that for whatever that means to you. What would it look like? Just try for one week in your decision-making that instead of running everybody else's filters through it first, you put yours first. And you answer what it is that feels good to you. If you're a leader leading a meeting, if you are a manager, a business owner, what do you need to help you feel good about your work, your life, your way? And then ask for input or then allow the other pieces to inform. But it feels like we've kind of to your point, made it a commodity, kind of a slangy shortcut of like, there's this list of self-care things, but 
I think what we're living in, in experimentation with is it's not that necessarily all the laundry list things. It's also being open to seeing, thinking, feeling, sensing more than we were able to without putting ourselves first. Well said. Well, that was, that was a lot. That was good. Rich and meaty. We've mentioned Lantern a few times. So if you're interested in Lantern, our leadership retreat and four days of inquiry and to be being more aware and aligned and intentional with how you lead yourself and, and others, we'd love to have you. We have one more class this year, October 24th to 27th, 2023, in incredible, lovely Park City, Utah, where Jen is right now. Well, I was just going to say, and if you're already a Lantern graduate listening, we have a couple spots for Lantern 2, which is for graduates only in September, September 20th through the 23rd. And we'd love to have you back. So a little plug for that too. Thanks so much for listening. Please write us a review, subscribe, like all the things that you know how to do. And your care for us helps us care for you. So thank you for caring for us, Plenty Community. Thank you, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at plentyconsulting.com.